It's everywhere I look From last week's to right here Under your dresser Bye bye dear. It's creeping in sweetly It's definitely here There's nothing more deadly Than a slow going fear Life was full and fruitful And you could take a real bite The juice pouring well over Your skin's delight The shadowy grows And takes the death away Even broken down pieces to this priceless valley The shallower it grows, the shallower it grows The fainter we go into the fade-out line The shallower it grows, the shallower it grows The fainter we go into the deeper down If we build all those bridges, don't watch them thin down the dust Or blow them voluntarily out of constant trust The clock is ticking, it's last couple of clocks And there won't be a party with weathering rocks The shallower it grows, the shallower it grows The fainter we go into the fade out The shallower it grows, the shallower it grows The fainter we go into the fade out Heading deep down, we're sliding without noticing our own decline Heading deep down, we're hanging on to sweet nothing left behind. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Capital FM. This is Capital Sports, of course. I am Alan Moore, and tonight we have another blockbuster kick bottom show for you. Double N here will work his magic on the phone lines tonight uh, as we bring to you the very best news, views, reviews, previews, and interviews. The world of sports. Okay, a very happy Unity Day to you listeners out there. So you can all just settle in for everything you need to know about sports. We're, we're a bit well, afraid to ask or a bit nervous ask, but we'll answer all those questions for you. If you have any questions, text us in on plus seven nine two five one 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 zero five three. Right, we're going to kick off with Russian football in the moment because Spartak Moscow's game has just ended against Arsenal Tula out at the Okriti Arena. 
before we go there because we have to go there no matter what anyone says we have to go there uh, but after Russian football we're going to have a t- chat about English football we're going to speak with Andrew Rees he's here in the studio with us to speak with VAR and Manchester United as well as many other things are happening in, this, in, in the English uh, League uh, English Premier League we will have Andy Mack he will join us also in the second segment and start of the third to talk about the local Juve game coming up and his picks of the week and also his opinion on what just is happening with Manchester United in part three what a load of poppycock we'll talk about that with John Nicholson and we'll also look at his uh, brand new book out uh, called Give Me My Ball Back or Give Us Our Ball Back okay we kick off the second hour with Killian O'Connor and, and a review of the Rugby World Cup which just finished this weekend out in Japan we won't tell you the result yet but well you probably all know it um, in part five we journey to Amsterdam to catch up with James Rowe and see just how ex-Spartak star Quincy Promise is doing and if as is, is being rumoured Ajax's coach Mr. Mr. Ten Hag. He is bound for Bayern Munich, who, of course, sacked poor old Niko Kovac uh, today. And finally, in part six, we keep going west, well, kind of southwest, to Spain and to Joseph Sexton to talk about La Liga and Lionel Messi's, uh, let's just say, renaissance, shall we say. But straight away, we're going to go to our man who is covering this Spartak game for us, covering lots of games for us this weekend. But we're going to go right, from, right away to him, to Mr. Andrew Flint. Andrew, you're with us live and loud. Okay. I certainly am. How are you okay. guys doing? So, listen, um, the game just finished out at the Akriti Arena. What was the final result? Andrew, can Dominique you... Dominico Tedesco's fairy tale start. Hello? You okay. Yeah, we can hear you, Lenker. So, you're saying uh, Tedesco's fairy tale start came to a crushing end after 16 minutes, and of course, after 90 minutes, because they lost 1 0 to visitors Arsenal Tula. They, they certainly did. Um, and the most depressing part of it, aside from the result, was actually just how lacking in imagination Spartak were. Uh, you know, Tedesco's come in with his reputation as a, as a great tactical mind, and some people have criticised him for being defensive, perhaps, but at least he's very smart. But it was just launch the ball into the box and see what happened. Um, Arsenal Tuller made... Uh, something like 58 clearances in the entire game and that kind of tells you pretty much what they had to deal with and they dealt with it pretty well but i mean that's it's, it's terrible because i mean looking at it like you're know, watching watching the game as of course it went on because we're here in the studio uh for the very start of the game spartak i mean they 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 controlled the ball they controlled the game they were you know they were yeah. really playing quite well overall um they had like 15 shots on goal only three on target compared to five from, from Arsenal, and one of them, of course, went in. So, I mean, is this I mean, is this just a little bit of a bump in the road for Tedesco? This is a realisation that he's actually not working with the best players in Russia? Well, I think it's a little bit like that, certainly. I mean, we shouldn't, be, we shouldn't jump to conclusions too quickly. It's only one result, of course. Um, but the, in, the goal itself was, was some very poor marking. Now, the, he moved to what I, I believe is his preferred back three, um, but Yevgeny Lutsenko, who's not exactly the most mobile of strikers, managed to find acres of space, and it was a very simple header in the end. That was a, that was a bit of organisation. Um, the actual overall style of their play, I think, is, of course it's going to take time. I've said it before with other managers, um, Manchester United, for example, <laughs> you've got to give them time, because if they have intelligence, they have a philosophy of play, which to this not to everyone's taste perhaps but it needs time for him to implement that 
So perhaps we've had the honeymoon already, uh, but I don't think it's the end of the world by any means. So we'll see what happens next week. Yeah, I mean, yeah, coming back from that, like I mean, you know, they of course they they um, you know they won last week uh, against Loco. I mean, they just absolutely battered the heads off Loco. I mean, that was just it was an embarrassment for Lokomotiv. Now, yeah. of course, they have in the cup. They won through the cup uh, this week. They had a good win on Thursday, two one against Rostov. Rostov kind of. You know, it was. I mean, Rostov had to beat in Spartak, but just seemed to fall short. And maybe they're focusing their attentions on the league. But Spartak now face uh, Ciska in the springtime. I mean, so maybe it's kind of a case that you know they, you know they 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 let it all hang out midweek, and they're just kind of drained then on the Saturday or on the Monday even. Well, it possibly could be. I mean, we've got to remember. That there's always a new manager bounce. That always happens, no matter what the league is. It's it's a fairly fairly standard statistic. So there will be an energy to try and impress the new manager. Uh, but the you know between today, Niall Umyarov had to come off the bench. He didn't start. Um, Rezuan Mirzov started up front, and Jordan Larson was on the pitch. So some of these guys, they they, they were tiredness. I'm not entirely convinced that should be an excuse. Um, but again, like I say. Arsenal, Tula, they haven't won for, what was it, seven games before this, so it shouldn't have been that difficult to adapt. And my concern was that towards the end of the game, I know he's, again, it, like I said, you've got to give Tedesco time to, to coach his players in the way he wants them to deal with these situations, but they didn't deal with a fairly stubborn defence desperately well at the end. So I, I'm not entirely sure tiredness was it. I think it was more... Perhaps uh, a little lack of understanding of a new manager, and that will take time, which is which is understandable. Yeah, I mean, you know, they've got some very good, talented players in in the lineup. I mean, I'm not convinced by some. I, th- I do think Larson is is a good player at this level. If he's going to step up, I don't know. I don't think he has the the same pace or same quality as his dad. I mean, Andy Mack would argue maybe for or I guess I don't know. We'll ask him <laughs> in the next segment. Um, <laughs> That 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 loss now has left Spartak stranded um, in the bottom half of the table. They're they're in ninth right now. They're on eighteen points. That that's you know they are lucky that the teams all above them. Most of them had a pretty rotten uh, weekend. I mean Zenit. Okay, okay, they were only able to draw one one at home against Siska. Uh, Dinamo. Okay, we will miss a moment. They drew one one at home um, on Saturday against Ahmad Grozny. So a decent result for them. They're getting a bit of form. Uh, Loco, of course, drew one one, which. We we did think it would be a very tough away game for them um, out in Bashkortostan against Ufa. So that, but even then, like you know, Krasadar yeah. coming back to draw two two against Rostov, um, it's still like the top of the table. You've got Zenit first, you've got Rostov, then you've got Lokomotiv. So there's you know three points for, uh, between Zenit and Rostov and Loko. Then you've got Krasadar there, like starting to push back up. I mean, they got that those points back, but there's nothing really mm-hmm. between the top five teams. There's six points between Zenit and Siska and fifth. But Spartak of that lost European football is looking more and more distant, isn't it? You'd have to say it's going to be a challenge. But then again, sixth place, like we know, could well be enough for Europe. Uh, I'm desperately hoping it's, it won't because I'm hoping Rural, of course, will win the cup. Uh-huh. Um, given the actual draw of the cup, it's, it's, quite, it's quite bizarre how imbalanced it is, really, isn't it, with... Um, only lower league sides on Oral's side of the table uh, and on the others the big boys are playing each other but in terms of getting up to fifth I mean it, they are still going to be the strongest side outside the top five from here on in I would say um, but nine points is a long way to make up then again you look at Tesca 
they are dropping points quite regularly. In fact, a lot of the top five are dropping points. So I don't think it's something that should be written off. I think Spartak should be targeting fifth. It's a big, big ask. I mean, in 15 games to, to make up nine points on anybody is going to be tough. But it'd be interesting to see how Tedesco deals with this type of adversity, having to battle against or break down the side that are digging the heels in like Arsenal, because he's going to get that a lot. So if he can cope with it after today, we'll see how he deals with it. If he can, then perhaps they could. You never know. Yeah, because, I mean, they, they've got now another game at home. Because uh, let's look just ahead very, very quickly next week. They've got um, Krilis mm. at home, OK? So that's on Saturday evening, 7 o'clock. There are still quite a few tickets left for that one. Uh, kickoff is, well, I said is at 7 o'clock. Um, I mean, you, you'd be looking at them to, to you know... I mean, Krilis off on the same number of points. They're in 18 points. They're in seventh place. Um, they have to bounce back. They have to win that game, don't they? Because if they don't, if they don't, if they if they fail to win that game, they're going to be stuck lower half of the table come the winter break, and that's not good enough for for a team like Spartak. No, absolutely. Um, uh, we've got to remember as well how short the Russian league is. Tedesco, we're used to the Bundesliga, which will which has um, uh, more games than the Russian League, of course. So, you know, there's less time to make up on the mistakes. There's less margin for error. And a, a game like Krilis Sovieto, I mean, actually, to be honest, a game like Arsenal Tula, you'd say, is almost embarrassing not to win at Sparta. But, um, I, you know, like they say, to err once is a mistake. It's a human, sorry. And to err twice is, well, it's something quite entirely. I don't think Sparta can afford to um, to drop points against Crudy. I agree with that entirely. Um, it's that thing about the winter break, isn't it? It's that mental aspect. You want to be in that position going into win because such little to make up any mistakes that you've made before winter. So Crudy really should be beatable, I think. Okay, now looking at the other teams, like uh, you've got next next uh, Saturday, you've got Dinamo away to Rubin, um, and you know Siska uh, down down south in Sochi. Lokomotiv hosting Krasnodar at home on Sunday. So both those games on Sunday, one at the Siska game at four thirty and the Lokomotiv game at seven o'clock. Um, Dinamo are, are, are at least starting to, to pick up points as we hope they would. They're still out of the automatic relegation uh, battle, but on fifteen points. I mean, they're only three points behind Spartak. So again, we were speaking of just two, three weeks ago, Spartak were in a relegation battle, the same as United were in a relegation battle uh, in the English Premier League. <laughs> and now it looks like it could be back to that again. It's just so hard to call, isn't it? it I've, never, I've never known a Russian Premier League table be quite so ridiculously packed as this one. Five points from the last place outside European competition to bottom of the table, separated by five points. That, that's the thing Tambor put two wins together suddenly they're not bottom of the table and I would never have predicted they would be the ones to make moves out of the relegation zone I thought that I thought that Sochi and Akron would start moving out um, but they're getting left behind already by Tambor of all people so it's, it's it's very hard to call in terms of, of points on the board I think Dinamo are looking very soft so far, I wouldn't go much further than that because we've only seen three games under Kirill Novikov. But I think he is 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 slowly edging them towards where they need to be. I mean, when you've got Clinton and G, you need to use him sparingly. I would say uh, he's not a ninety minutes run for ninety minutes type of player, but he's an impact player like he showed against Tiska. So um, I don't think Dinamo are going to uh, challenge Spartak in the long run by the end of the season, but. 
if Sparta don't start picking up points like against Krillia, then Dinamo are good enough. Um, so it's 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 a very pressured situation for everybody here. There's no no room to hide. No, uh, Andrew Wees is in the, in the studio with us. Um, of course, Andrew, he's living up here in Moscow and he, he's a, a massive football fan and, and uh, you know, attends a lot of games, especially local games. Um, Andrew, you, you're noticing today, uh, this Andrew Flint, you're noticing today that the attendances are starting to go down now with the, the drop in weather as well. Yeah, you know... Uh, yeah, no. Go ahead, Andrew Flint. Go ahead, Andrew. So, no, I was only going to... Say today at uh, in Yekaterinburg, Ural had six thousand seven hundred people, and I was amazed it was that many. Um, it's absolutely perishingly cold here, and well, I say perishingly cold, not by Russian standards, but by by most European football spectator standards, I guess. Um, six thousand people for a top flight game is an embarrassment, really. But I mean, what, what's it like in Moscow at the moment? What are the attendances like um, where you guys have been? The attendances are all right. I mean, the the game tonight with uh, Spartak is pretty sparsely um, attended, but it's a national holiday as well. So, I mean, sometimes you would think that that would bring out the crowd, but it's still the middle of the week and work is upcoming. So you can see how uh, <laughs> yeah. fans maybe not come out as much. But, I mean, the weather here is quite mild right now. It was cold last week, but it's yeah. a lot better this week and it should be the entire week. So um, I think attendances will hold probably quite strongly here for the next couple of weeks, I would imagine, at least before it starts really snowing. There is a thing that I know, Andrew um, Flint, we've spoken about this before, where when it drops below 15, suddenly the crowds drop 50%. That's kind of the average that was worked out with, um, I think it was Ilya Gurkos actually was, was telling me about that before. Um, just before, before we go away, Andrew Flint, um, your predictions for this week, um, do you think Loco against Juve, Juve coming with all, all guns blazing, they need to try and win this game here in Moscow. Uh, do you hold that much hope for Lokomotiv? You know, weirdly enough, I actually do. Um, I know they've looked a bit lethargic the last couple of domestic games, but they have really impressed me how, how smart they've been in Europe. I actually think they're going to make life really, really difficult. And if a certain Portuguese doesn't get his way, then they they have to resort to plan B, which is a bit of magic from, from Pablo Dybala, which is, is quite something, to be fair. I actually think Loco will get a result. Uh, and by result, I think a point is a very, very good one. Um, I, I think they'll make life difficult. I don't think Juve are going to win this one. OK, listen, thank you very, very much, Andrew Flint. We're going to hold you to that. And we'll talk to you next week, next Sunday. Thanks, Andrew. Looking forward to it. OK, so Andrew, he's staying here, was in the studio, but we are going to go into the break with a song that actually... When, when the World Cup started off, this song was played before the official kind of anthem, uh, World Cup anthem, and it kind of confused me. But I was trying to play it in my head, and I asked my our producer, like, what, what is this song? He found it for me. So here it is. This is Nicky Jam and Jay Balvin with X. We're back after the break with Andrew Wees and Andy Mack. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. I love your energy like a cool breeze. Got you warmed up in the jacuzzi. Girl, I'ma turn you over like a new leaf. You show me what you do, la mama. Girl, you put a spell on me. Now I'm following your lead. To the bedroom, let me give you what you need. Y no te voy a negar. Claro, 
girl and that ba, 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 baila, racata, racata, como ella lo mueve, sin para, sin para. Girl, you got me fade, I can't even fake it, you know I want ya, no te voy a negar. She make that thing, but a bang, but a bang, she make that thing. Move it for me, baby. When she make that thing, but a bang, but a bang, she make that thing. No te voy a negar. Canadian competition. Canadian competition. Объясняет стендап-комик Стив Форман, Лондон, Великобритания. Canadian competition. Это такое эм, соревнование между сумасшедшими людьми, э, когда они, значит, это вызов друг другу, кто может что-то лучше поделать э, другому человеку. Например, помыл посуду, и потом, а, это вызов, я сейчас что-то еще лучше сделаю, я пойду погуляю с собакой и навещу там бабушку в, в больнице, и потом, а, и приходится вот постоянно что-то лучше и лучше для, для друг друга делать, пока один из вас не становится святым. Canadian Competition Canadian Competition Capital School Moscow's hit music station Capital FM Capital Sports With Alan Moore
Okay, so if you can hear us nice and loud. Yeah, we can hear it loud and clear. Okay, so folks, we're back. Uh, hope you heard us okay. The Well, we had the microphones on almost like mute, but they're okay. Okay, so um, we are Capital Sports back on Moscow's Capital FM. Hope you're enjoying us. And uh, just a look ahead at those, or look back at those games, of course, in the Russian Premier League this weekend. Dinamo 1-1 with Akhmad down in Grozny Lokomotiv 1-1 in Bashkortostan with Ufa. Uh, Zenit 1-1 with Siska up in St. Petersburg and of course that loss today for Spartak 1-0 loss at home right um, Loco they're in third in the table they're on 30 points Siska they are fifth on 27 Spartak on in ninth place on 18 and Dinamo in 13th place unlucky 13 almost on 15 points now over in the East Premier League there were there were quite a few uh, interesting results uh, this weekend. Uh, you've probably seen most of them, actually. So we'll just recap on the most important ones. Of course, that loss for Manchester United. First half goal, downing them 1-0 in Bournemouth. Uh, Arsenal, well, they kind of, um, they were miserable yet again. 1-1, the fans just calling for their uh, man, the ex-Spartak uh, coach, to be, uh, Unai Emery, to be fired. Um, good day for Man City, winning 2-1, two, two late goals, sitting there, Sergio Aguero and Mr. Walker as well. And West Ham, of course, losing Chelsea, winning 2-1 away in that London Derby against Watford. Now, on Sunday, lots of talking points and VAR was back in, or I should say on Saturday, VAR was back in the mix. Um, or should I say, well, I'm mixing up on Sunday, I should say. So it was a 1-1 draw between Everton and Spurs, which brought about the strangest Said by, I guess, uh, a sympathy red card against uh, Son. Uh, Andrew, you're not quite sure that that was a red card against the Spurs player. Yeah, you know, uh, Son, he's he's such a good, uh, clean player. And I've never really seen anything out of him that would have uh, made me think that he was going into that challenge to do anything as far as hurting the other player. And, and you know, you just feel for Gomez because... Uh, you know, he, he didn't deserve that tackle, but it really was just a, a clattering of legs and, and Son definitely didn't deserve the red in there. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was kind of a strange reaction from the referee. I mean, but the, the break, as you, you said, like it was terrible. It was awful. I mean, you know, but they just said that uh, Gomez, he'll be out for only about six, eight weeks. I mean, that he'll, before he starts to walk again, shall we say. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's good to hear because, I mean, you never know with these injuries where... Um, you know, loss of blood flow could make it much more complicated, but it seems like it was fairly straightforward as far as a break can go. And uh, these days, you know, I'd almost much rather break a leg than, you know, tear ligaments in my ankle because uh, the comeback time for them is much quicker and, and sports medicine these days, you know, should get them up and, and hopefully at least moving about fairly soon. I mean, it looked so bad because you see the players were shocked. I mean, and even on match of the day, they had a, a still still photo from but didn't show the, the footage um, no I didn't see the, the, the footage itself I just I just saw the lead up to it but I didn't see the afters I just saw like when he was tackled with it. then you didn't see it right away um, but again I mean it, it was I mean given a red card for that do you think that it was just a bad reaction they've been using VAR very badly all weekend I mean the Firmino offside for example you had a good bit Peter Crouch on that yeah yeah I mean when you get into the VAR situation and you're asking you know, other individuals to be looking at, the, at the, the play again. And it comes down to millimeters here or there. And I think a lot of times fans just don't understand really what, what the referee's seeing. And the replays that the fans are seeing is not giving enough information. And I think fans just aren't educated enough as to, to what VAR really is and how it's really working. And I think that really is the biggest frustration for a lot of people sitting at home watching on TV. Okay, you, you come from the States, so you'd have grown up watching, uh, like, say, in NFL. They, like, 
they, they, there's the the action replays and so on. They do like the uh, referees. What, what did they call it in the, in the states? Mm. Like when the in NFL when they can challenge plays. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So challenge. But there, the referee on the field actually watches the play. Yeah. But in the English Premier League, it's some guy sitting in a little room, many, many miles away. So it's. It takes it out of the hands of the guys who are actually there at the moment. Yeah. Does that make sense to you? No, not at all. To, f- to think that the man actually making, or, or woman making that decision, and it could be a crucial decision, especially in a game like that, where you know, tensions were high, emotions were certainly high after that challenge, to take it out of the hands of the individuals that are even on the field, it's, it's, it's really too bad. And I think, a lot, I think that's one of the reasons that fans don't understand it, is they don't understand how you could take the authority out of the person on the field and and then it's somebody you know hundreds of kilometers away that might be making the call. Again, it's a kind of responsibility for everything from from I I, I know from like say KHL or NHL, where the guy the referee goes over and looks at the screen. There's an official there who'll do that as well. But also you'll have um, like in rugby we've mentioned this before many times. In rugby, the referee will say, "Is there a reason why I should give a red card or should not?" Because he wants to know yes or no. Kind of is there any doubt or no? Um, what can they do? Should they... Okay, I mean, I, I interviewed a guy who brought in uh, VAR to, to, to football, a uh, Swiss guy, and he, he said, no, just give it time, give it time. But will time fix this, or are we just basically degrading referees and officials by using this kind of... Um, in, in a sport as dynamic as uh, football? Yeah, I, I think in time, fans will grow to learn. And I, I think that that can clear up some of the misconceptions that individuals have about what they think the VAR process is. But uh, the growing pains have been significant uh, especially in the English Premier League this year, and and uh, fans are unhappy with it. And I don't know that that can be fixed straight away. Um, it's going to take time, and a lot of that, unfortunately, is going to be time where fans still aren't really aware of what's going on and how decisions are made. And so even if it is a fair decision or the correct decision, there's always going to be one group on one side or the other that's going to feel aggrieved by that. And so um, I don't know. For fans, it's, it's a difficult situation because, I mean, Yes, VAR is making the game, the game more fair, but as long as fans are not fully understanding it, then it's still not a positive feeling for the fans watching. Lost. Now, we're going to go to Andy Mack in just a moment. Before we do, um, you're from Georgia, from Atlanta, so it's the Peach State? Peach? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay, yeah. there we go. Uh, <laughs> so, um, the MLS has been going great guns. It's actually, since 2011, I believe, has actually overtaken the NHL in terms of um, you know uh, attendances like attendance levels yeah. uh, all like you know uh, stadium bigger stadium outside and so on aside it's still getting more fans in um, the huge phenomenon has been Atlanta United your hometown team um, what's it like having a team like that from your hometown and you know um, what? what is the potential for growth of the MLS uh, because a lot of players are starting to, to go there and a lot of stars as well yeah you know especially in Atlanta I think the biggest uh the biggest positive is is how the city has embraced the team. Um, Atlanta's unfortunately known as a pretty rubbish sports town, and uh, they're in. But you had the Braves. Well, and the Braves have had some success recently. They just won the National League East, and then, uh, f- unfortunately, the uh, Washington Nationals then eclipsed them as far <laughs> as making it to the World Series. But um, Atlanta fans, when Atlanta United was announced, it, there was a lot of apathy, and people weren't convinced that the fans would embrace the team. But um, the owner. 
Arthur Blank. He's the same owner as the Atlanta Falcons. He's oh. invested you know, a lot of money. And when they built their brand new stadium, it's one of the greatest stadiums in the world. It's uh, fantastic. But he specifically designed the stadium so that Atlanta United had its own locker rooms apart from the NFL locker rooms. They walk out from the center of the pitch instead of from the corners like the yes, NFL teams the NFL, do. they come out like from between two stands. That's like, right. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he's really put a focus on making Atlanta a legitimate sports side. And it's paid off. I mean, unfortunately, they just got put out of the Eastern Conference playoffs and so they won't be playing in MLS Cup. But Outside of that, they've done almost everything right along the way, buying young Latin American players and then, you know, like Miguel Amiron to, to Newcastle, that set the league record for an outgoing transfer fee. And so um, the growth potential is enormous. You know, Frank DeBoer is the head coach and, and you know, English fans might have one opinion of him, but, <laughs> but uh, he, he's had a fairly good season as far as Atlanta United fans were hoping because it's always tough to switch managers. And so, yeah, they're on the right track. Okay, that's good here. Okay, so we're gonna like we're gonna continue talking, of course, football, and we won't mention North American football because he's from Scotland. Uh, Andy Mac, you're on the line. You're in a car park, or you're somewhere safer? Yeah, I'm. Um, the the dark side of my moon is holed up in the car park. That's it. That, that is good for you. I hope it's not that cold. Listen, Andy, um, uh, we're surrounded by Andrews right now. We've had one Andrew on the line, Andrew in the studio now, and Andrew, well, and Andy. So we'll, we'll, we'll we have to differentiate it easier now by Andy and Andrew. Um, Andy, uh, that loss for Sparta today, that was crushing. I mean, that that just that has that taken the wind out of the the sort of the the sails of the Spartak sort of uh, let's say I would say band ship rather than bandwagon. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's Arsenal Tula now above them. Um, obviously, I think Spartak now will be looking over their shoulders at Dynamo Moscow and 15 points in relegation. Uh, they're closer to that than they are any of the European slots at the moment. So I think there'll be a big concern, especially um, over Kutupov. I think Tedesco's plan has always been to play three at the back. He hasn't really tried to change that too much, but, but I think slotting him in at right back and trying to get him closer to the two centre-backs to build a bit of a partnership to move. And I think that's now kind of gone out the window and it's um, back to square one and perhaps a bit of a rethink about who he's actually going to start, let alone um, picking up results. OK, um, over the water, well, many, many miles away, the other red team, uh, Man United, they lost as well. Um, that's, that's, that's kind of, that's, they're going back to sort of typical United at the moment. Well, I mean, yeah, define typical United. The United I, I grew up watching, the, the typical thing was where they grind out results away from home in that instance. Um, the phases of it that I saw, they were kind of, had a lot of the ball, but weren't really doing too much with it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a worrying period for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer now, and losing to team at, at side like Bournemouth, at, their heads had gone down a little bit, and they were probably coming into it thinking they've got nothing to lose. And I think that's the kind of spirit that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is now going to have to, to, to use on Manchester United and say, look, look, things aren't going well. You need to get, you know, give it your all every game here and, 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 and see what we can get out of this season before, before uh, the January window. And uh, for, for his sake, he'll, he'll be looking at still being in that job to spend some of the money. Because they said that it's going to be another at least four weeks until Pogba comes back. So they're, they're kind of like, you know, they're, they, they are lacking a guy who on his day can actually do something good. Um, and, I mean, we were discussing just in, in the last, uh, well, just, um, at the start of this segment about the Andre Gomez injury. I mean, he's now out till next season. Um, we're also, we're looking at Liverpool. Now, Liverpool got, got away 
with a 2-1 win against Aston Villa. Um, are, are Liverpool riding their luck at the moment? I mean, are they sort of... Uh, are, they, are they on a roll that's, that's going to lead them to the title, Andy? It's looking that way, and I think with Manchester City now coming up at the weekend, uh, I don't think Manchester City have won at Anfield since about 2003. So they'll be looking at that game, and if they can get that win... Um, yeah, as you said, they, they've kind of been just scraping it at the moment with results. I mean, against Aston Villa, it was at the 94th minute. I think Mane got the winner and the equaliser wasn't wasn't long before that. So those are the kind of games where they'll look back and go, OK, yeah, that was that was two, three points gained. Um, and if they beat Man City at the weekend, I think um, everyone else's tails will be down between their legs and they'll be surging on. But the Champions League and the games coming up, if, if Liverpool fail to qualify out of that group, I think that could change the whole, the whole script for the rest of the Premier League season too. So I think they need to Klopp needs to 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 be on guard and make sure he's rotating and keeping everyone fit up until Christmas. And if they're still top by then, I think it's it's theirs to lose. Okay, so you 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 reckon that staying top of Christmas, Liverpool really you know is kind of they're not home and holes, but they're they're more than halfway there. Um of course they're six points now ahead uh of City. Um they've an inferior goal difference. But as you said, like you know, if if City don't win in Liverpool, uh that's you know that, that six points is, is quite a bit to make up like as as the season pours on. But we saw we saw United chase down Newcastle, but this is a very, very different brand of football. Um, we're going to come back after the break and we're going to speak about the local Juve game. But of course, that, that match you mentioned, Liverpool, it's on at 11 o'clock Moscow time. They're playing Racing Genk. Um, they should be able to win that one fairly handy, shouldn't they? They should put up at least two, three goals. Yeah, and I think um, obviously Genk are quite inexperienced at, at, at that sort of level. So I think it might even give uh, Klopp the ideal opportunity now to maybe rotate a few as well and rest people up for the weekend and if they're struggling they bring them on um, so yeah I think that's kind of the ideal game um, for them this week Okay and listen we're going to go to break right now you're going to stay with us on the line and we're going to come back and get your opinion on the local Juve game which of course everyone wants to know about because that is a huge 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 game and also I want to ask you to rec- do you reckon that the IX coach is going to head down to Bayern Munich Okay just stay on the line folks we're going out to the break right now um, I hope you're joining us so far we're, 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 we're rolling through this show um, we're going to add a bit of sunshine to the Moscow night it's about plus five plus six so it's actually quite mild here in Moscow we're going to bring back some memories we're going to bring up our little enthusiasm a wee bit before we come back to Andy Mack, of course, and to John Nicholson as well. We're going to work with the Baja men and who let the dogs out back after the break. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Who let the dogs out?
they tell me, hey man, part of the party. You put a woman in front and a man behind. I hear a woman shout out. To computer face. To computer face. Объясняет стендап-комик Стив Форман, Лондон, Великобритания. Computer face. Это значит смотреть в компьютер и пока руководство проходит мимо и значит чтобы сделать вид, что вы очень сконцентрируете и что-то делаете важное. Вы вот носите на лице вот такое вот лицо серьезно такое смотрите в компьютер. Чтобы не было видно, что вы вообще ничего не делаете. To computer face. To computer face. Welcome back, folks, to Capital Sports here on Moscow's Capital FM. I'm Alan Moore. Still with me in the studio is Andrew Weiss. And, of course, on the phone is Mr. Andy Mack. He's still out in the dark, damp car park. So, best place for him, actually. If you, no, that's a joke, of course. We want him here in the studio. Um, Andy, um, that Juve Loco game, I mean, that's, that's our local Juve game, because, of course, local the home side. That's, that's setting things alight here at the moment. And uh, in order to get a ticket, the cheapest ticket for like a standing place, they're on resale at the moment for between 15 and 20,000 rubles. Um, do you think that this game is going to pay off? Will, will, will it be like a, a game for the ages here in Moscow? 
Oh, you certainly hope so. Um, if you if you think that normally you'd pay what a, a couple of thousand rubles, maybe five thousand rubles for a big game uh, in Russia, to get that much interest surrounding it is absolutely fantastic. And um, Juve, oh, obviously, big pools with the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo, etc. Uh, Dybala, obviously, who made an impression in that first game. Um, yeah, really exciting for Russian Russian fans to, to, to get a glimpse uh, for some it might not it may be the first time since the Champions League final for Manchester United in Moscow Okay I mean if, if we look at that I mean uh, Andrew Flynn reckons that Loco have a great chance against uh, Juve he, he, he feels that they could catch him on the hop and reckons there's going to be a draw would you be so optimistic or are you sort of reckoning that you know Juve are not going to be bothered by the cold and go to just batter Loco don't think the the cold will play into it too much, but uh, I mean statistically, if you look back at this season, um, you've had seven competitive away games. Three of those have been goalless at half time. If you if, if, if Locomotive can get in at, at the break on 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 level terms, um, then they've certainly got a chance. My my two concerns for Locomotive tomorrow are uh, obviously missing Anton Moranchuk, um, Farfan, Smoloff. I think Eder could have a very very lonely night. Might um, up top them if if the um, if if the service into him isn't particularly good. I think it could be really really frustrating for them. And therein comes the next problem for Locomotive is that their, their, their disciplinary record is, um, uh, for want of a better word, abysmal at this level. Even away at Ufa at the weekend, they had eight bookings, eight bookings, uh, just the Loco team, um, and they've been averaging over sort of three point five in the Champions League so far. And the referee who's in charge is a Frenchman who's not shy of handing out yellows, reds, and penalties. And I think that might be uh, the undoing of Locomotive tomorrow against a smart Italian team that know how to win um, win fouls off opposition. I think they, they're going to have to be really, really careful. But there's always a chance if they get in at the break, um, Juventus have conceded and, and haven't really scored a lot this season. Um, so, yeah, there, there's a glimmer of hope. But it needs to be a, a very, very disciplined performance, and they need to make sure that Eder is not getting bored up or bored and cold up front. Okay, so if you're to call it, okay, hard aside, just looking for cold, hard tip. What would you reckon? Uh, Juventus one nil. Okay, Juve one nil. Okay, that, that is fair enough. Okay, uh, looking across some of the games, of course. Now that's on Wednesday night. Of course, kickoff is at five minutes to nine local time. Um, you're looking at Chelsea and Ajax now. Ajax look like they're going to lose their coach because Niko Kovac was fired after that 5-1 thrashing, absolute thrashing by uh, Eintracht up at the Waldstadion. Um, will it be a case that like, Chelsea are going to continue their nice little run and you know, nip past Ajax and sort of like put a big dent in their season? I, I think it's a really exciting game. Chelsea and Ajax both are, um, have been filled with balls. Chelsea's defensive record has been poor. I think Chelsea have scored three or more in about half of their last 10 European fixtures. Um, and Ajax, likewise, have, have been on fire in front of goal as well. So it should be a really exciting game. Um, I think just on current confidence going into it, I think Chelsea at home might just have the edge. Okay, but I'm... I'd certainly be looking at both teams to score there as my, uh, as my go-to bet. Okay, listen, uh, looking ahead to the... Um, are, is this, are there any other games, actually, in the uh, Champions League that, that have caught your eye that you think that are worth a little bit of a, a nibble? Uh, 
and definitely Valencia at home. Uh, Lille have been extremely poor away from home. Um, I think they've only scored the first goal once uh, away from home all season, so I'd maybe be looking at a Valencia to score the first goal and uh, a Valencia to win. Uh, Lille have, um, have, have had it really tough against um, Spanish opposition, and Valencia have won nine and lost two um, against French opposition at home in Europe so uh, I think they're a very very big price tomorrow so that would be my go-to there okay. and I also think Napoli, Napoli to win and over 2.5 goals in that um, what promises to be another goal fest against um, Salzburg Okay, so against Red Bull Salzburg. Okay, they, uh, both those games kick off at 11 o'clock tomorrow night, Moscow time. Uh, Andy, before you go, um, of course, we saw the, well, we're, we're already talking about the upsets here in the uh, Premier League. Um, if you could pick next week, which game next week of the Moscow clubs would you, like, you've got uh, Rubin Dinamo, you've got Spartak Krylia, you have Sochi Siska and Lokomotiv Krasnodar. Which of those ones would you like to watch and what would you reckon is the, the, the best sort of tip you can give for those? Um, I think out of all of those ones, in terms of if I was just going to say as a neutral to watch, I think the, you'd be drawn to Lokomotiv Krasnodar. Um, both have kind of uh, Lokomotiv now look three of the last five at home. Krasnodar going through a bit of a bad spell as well. I think that's a really crunch game at the top of the league. But obviously, my head is going to be turned by how <laughs> how Spartak's fortunes get on against Krilia. Um and. <laughs> Uh, I, I think probably if you're if if you're smart and don't bet too much, I think Krillia might be um, might might be worth having a nibble if it's a good price. Okay, and finally, finally, before we let you go, Liverpool Man City. Uh, do you think Liverpool just have that little bit too much for City? Um, going on past past the record, I think you have to side with with Liverpool or a draw. Uh, if if Man City win it, it I, I think it will be sort of a, a one nil late smash and grab kind of thing um, but I mean it could be anything we saw it was nil nil last season at Anfield um, and quite often these big games that are hyped up so much do end up in kind of drab drab goalless draws or um, slightly disappointing but fingers crossed it's it, it, it won't and it will live up to its bill okay listen Andy thank you very much you have a great evening get in there get some warm tea into you and we'll talk to you next week thanks guys Okay, that was Andy Mack, of course, a man who is in the know. And um, Andrew, he's still here with us and said he hasn't escaped us yet. Listen, you are not going to make... You normally go to all the games here in Moscow. You, you, you're, you went to World Cup games, of course, here. Uh, you helped me get to World Cup games as well. well my, 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 my little fellow gets to see a World Cup game. Um, you're going to miss this game on Wednesday. Why? Yeah, I'm gutted to miss it. Uh, I'm actually the uh, football coach at the Anglo-American School of Moscow. And our boys are flying to North Macedonia on Wednesday morning. And so, yeah, on Wednesday morning we're heading out. And uh, me and the boys alike are all gutted because we're, we were all looking forward to being able to, you know, when the draw first came out, we all circled the UVA match. And then, of course. And then w- when our itinerary came out for flying to North Macedonia, it turns out that we're flying out on the same day as the, the <laughs> match. So, so we'll miss that, but I'm sure all of the boys will be staying up that night to watch that game too. I mean, because it, it, it'll, be, it'll be, I think, two hours behind. So yeah, it'll right. be okay. Hopefully it gets well. Um, what are your predictions for that game? Because, I mean, you, you've, you've you watched Russian football. You know what it's all about. So would you reckon that Loco have a bit of a chance or it's, it's going to be tough? I think they have a chance. Uh, 
like Andy said before, you know, with Smolov out and Adair playing up top, it's very possible that he might be so isolated that he doesn't really get much of a, a run around. But um, again, you know, Juve is so tactically organized, and uh, like Andy mentioned, you know, they can draw a foul just as well as anybody. And so uh, Loco's going to have to be careful. And if they can get that first goal, I think Loco can be organized enough to maybe get a point out of it. But if they give up that first goal, especially early, then it could be a long night for uh, the railroad men. Okay. Oh, it's a nice railroad men. Okay, listen, of all the, the, the Moscow stadiums, um, which do you like the most? Which, game do you, which team do you like to, to go and watch? Uh, I love going to the to locomotive games. I think the ground is fantastic. Um, I think lots of the Moscow sides have really great stadiums now. Uh, VEB Arena is great. I haven't been to Dynamo's new ground yet. Um, but yeah, Otkriti Arena is really great as well. But I love the intimate feel at, at locomotive. Okay. Um, in, in terms of fans, which, which fan group do you, or like sort of fans do you think are the most passionate, who really get the best value for money? I, I think the, as far as sound, uh, probably the Spartak fans um, give it the most. But, uh, agreement, yeah. yeah, but you know, when you watch Seska games, especially in the Champions League, like last year when they were packing out Luzhniki for those games against Real Madrid, you know, the, the fans were fantastic. And so uh, that, that's great as well. But yeah, the, the fans at Lokomotiv are, are wonderful as well. And, and I think they put up some of the best TIFOs in, in Russian football for sure. <laughs> it is true. They, they do kind of, they do rival, like say, um, what you call them, uh, Borussia in that because they really do put it. Now, Spartak have done that as well, but sometimes it's kind of, um, let's just say... Uh, a bit controversial but listen from that we're going to go straight across to Fife in Scotland we're going to have a word with a man who is going to explain what our poppy is all about and also his new book uh, entitled Can We Have Our Ball Back uh, John Nicholson can you hear us loud and clear Hi mate yes great thanks Listen, John very quick I want to start off straight away about your book now I, I mean I've been reading re- rare, like rave reviews about it I'm going to buy it actually in the morning Put, put money on that. Um, what's it about? Uh, just tell us what's it about and where can they buy it? It's essentially a kind of analysis of uh, where we are with the Premier League at the moment and with modern football more broadly. Um, it's kind of a polemic um, which expresses my disillusion with how things are, uh, with the money that's in the game and uh, how fans are being abused by big business um, and having basically our sport taken from us and sold back to us at an inflated cost. And just a, it's also a kind of analysis of what we can do about it and how we can make the world a better place and how we make football a better place. Well, okay, but, uh, let's start so with quite ambitious. Oh, well, hey, listen, you have to listen. As you said, the, the Chinese proverb, like, you know, every, every journey starts at the first step. So, how would you, just give us one idea, because here we're, we're, we're talking about Russian football here. What would you do uh, if you could take, say, three different things to make football better, to make football a better place? Well, what I would do is devalue the media rights. This would take all the money out of the game, all of the stupid big money out of the game, at least. So in order to do that, you just stop buying it. And then I will intend to campaign to have all live football on free-to-air television so that um, people, nobody's excluded from watching it. And I think that's very affordable for government to do purely on um, health grounds because we have a type 2 diabetes crisis in Britain due to people being inactive. I think we can inspire people to be more active by them watching more football on TV. 
So that's essentially what I would do. And then, and then once all the money's gone out of the game, and um, not all of it, obviously, I mean, when it's become moderated, yeah, I think he'll become closer to the people again, and we wouldn't feel so alienated from um, players and from clubs. You know, when people are earning two hundred thousand pounds a week, it um, encourages bitterness and anger in society and division. Um, so, I'd, I'd, the most important thing I think is to diminish the money in the game, and I think from there we would have increased participation and more involvement from the, the people who make football what it is, which is the fans. Okay, and I mean, <clears throat> okay, so that aside, how would that, okay, you'd, the, I can see the health benefits from that, like in free TV and so on. Um, what, what, what would then, like say, what, what would the government benefit from, apart from savings on medical care and so on? So what, where would the government be able to win, John? Well, what it would have is a unified country which um, doesn't have so much isolation and division between its population. It would bring us all together. Um, we have water cooler moments um, over football, which would unify us all and stop us feeling all so separated in our little isolated financial cliques. Football is a people's game, but loads of people can't watch it on TV because they can't afford it. Um, I want to afford it. I feel it's morally reprehensible to put more money into billionaires' pockets. Okay, I, I think it's just good for the health of the nation. I completely agree. I, 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 I think... Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, sorry Nick, on the line there. Um, uh, by the way, the, the whole country at the moment, in the UK, um, is suffering from uh, not only the type 2 diabetes crisis, but we have a massive problem with depression. These things cost a hell of a lot of money. Type 2 diabetes alone costs 14 billion a year and rising. Football rights to the Premier League would only cost about 1.3 billion, even at the current rates. If we only shift 10% of that bill, would be their revenue neutral. All I'm about is making football back to being the people's game, back to common embrace, not isolated by financial exclusivity. No, I mean, listen, John, that, that makes perfect sense. Uh, John, um, mo- moving on from that slide, you, you had an excellent article published on football365.com um, <laughs> entitled, and it's like, football needs to take a stand against those poppy, uh, well, let's say poppies. Yeah. I won't say, I won't, I won't, because I can't bleep out what, the other, what you had at the end. Um, but basically, how, how difficult now is it to, to remove, say, the political statement regarding poppies and kind of ill will towards that, you know, which is essentially quite a good cause, John. Yes, absolutely. It really is. Um, um, I think what, I, what troubles me about it is, is, is there doesn't seem to be a choice in football, we're talking about particularly, um, to actually not display a poppy. It seems to become obligatory. And the reason that I think it's become obligatory is because there are nobody who doesn't, with the exception of James McLean. Now, I think it's a remarkable unanimity. I mean, somebody would all would think to wear one at some point, wouldn't they? But they never do. So that's just, just to me, it's an enforced as a kind of policy for fear of bullying by people who think um, not wearing a poppy shows um, disrespect of some sort. I feel as if it's what, what's in your heart that really matters, not what's on your lapel. Listen, John. 
I agree with that completely. And thank you so, so much for your time. Look, we're going to get back on to you. We only have a short time this week, but we will get back on to you a couple of weeks' time. Thank you so, so much. Um, and I hope that a lot of our listeners will pick up the inspiration, inspiration from that as much as we have in the studio. Thank you so much, John. Okay. Cheers, man. Thank you. Okay, that's John Nixon. We're going to tweet out, of course, his um, website where you can buy his book because it is definitely, definitely worth a read because something we all need to gather around a little bit as well and to try and take part in to make football a place for all of us. Okay, Andrew Reid, I know you're heading away uh, yeah. right now. So yeah. thank you again for your time and uh, stay warm out there. Yeah, thanks for having me. And enjoy Northern Macedonia. Okay, we're going to go straight out to the break right now with Duck Sauce and Barbara Streisand back with Killian O'Connor and Rugby. Sports with Alan Moore. Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand. 